Yummy. Oh my god. I do. Wait, does Anchor also... Oh, uh, it started here. I'll mute my thing. Lorenz, can you hear me? Uh, I think so. Uh, well, why is it still echoing on... Uh, mute me, and then mute uh, you. Okay, how's that? All right, that sounds perfect. All right, so... Lorenz, you're uh, clearly pretty gifted um, in uh, mechanical engineering. Um, <laughs> I would say one thing is I have the power of winging it to the best of my ability. And that's impressive. So let's let's talk about your upbringing. What what um, so I know that you were uh, you're you were you were born in the U.S., correct? Incorrect. But your parents are um, foreign. Uh, and... Did you hear what I just said? What's that? Incorrect. I was not born in the U.S. He was born in Puerto Rico, right? Wrong. Try again. Uh, I don't know. Shoot me one. The Philippines. The Philippines, yes. Bananas. <laughs> so... What was growing up in the Philippines like in comparison? I don't know. Because I, I left there when I was four years old. So you don't have like any recollection of any of any Other than vague images in my head, no. I don't have much memory of the Philippines. Wow. So have, have your parents talked to you about like what that was like when they were growing up there? Yes. For on their end, it was very harsh and very grueling physically and mentally. Really? So, did they have to like? Is it, it how how is Puerto Puerto Rico doing like economically at the time? Philippines. Sorry, Philippines. <laughs> Not great. Not great. At more or less, it, it's it's how what most countries in the uh, thir uh, third world countries are, where you want to get out of there in somewhere like the U.S. or just some place that just pays better, with better conditions. What's the currency in Puerto Rico? Philippines. No, I'm going to keep saying Puerto Rico. It's a joke. I know. So I what's the, what's I'm going to keep saying it. What's the currency in Puerto Rico? Uh, I'm doing it for the listeners. <laughs> oh, pesos. Oh, pesos? Yes. Filipino oh. pesos, to be precise. Oh, okay. I was always under the assumption that that was done um, only in Mexico for nope. some reason. Nope. Philippines. So pay for the other places. Wow. 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 So, like, when you say grueling and, like, really, uh, you know, difficult, like, what kind of jobs were they working over there? Like, did they tell you about that? Was it, like, uh, For my dad, or? he was... He was working as a janitor in the military, if I remember right, for him. And then my mom was just working to be a better nurse at the time. Oh, so, you're, so uh, for the listeners, I learned just today that um, Lorenz's dad is actually a registered RN, but he's doing other things in his, in his time. Yeah. Um, he's not yeah, on, paper, on paper, he is a registered nurse. He just needs to uh, recertify himself. He just needs yeah. to renew that, and then he could be a nurse again. 
So with both parents being involved in the medical field, are there some advantages that you would say that? that, that oh, that actually t gives me uh, a good segue to how I went got to America. It's because they, they were doing a abroad program to get nurses from the Philippines to the United States. That's how I ended up here. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So um, your, your mom was uh, doing uh, uh, medical uh, related things over in the Philippines. Yep, she did, was your dad, did your dad get certified um, here in the U.S.? Nope. Also, once again, in the Philippines, both of them were registered nurses in the Philippines. Wow. Wow. That is that's kind of remarkable in a sense. I think that's really, really cool. I wonder how like Philippines education is in compare is in comparison to like the U.S. Because I know sometimes like I have a friend. This is kind of a segue, but um, I have a friend that I met online, um, and uh, she ended up. Uh, she was from the Caribbean. Um, her parent, her dad, worked at a paper uh, establishment of some sort where they sold paper, kind of like Dunder Mifflin. Uh, shout out the office. Um, and, uh, her mom, I think was a stay at home mom. Um, she didn't really do much. I think she was like a classic stay at home wife scenario. Um, and, uh, while the dad goes and works and, uh, she, she quite, uh, quite literally said that, you know, the education was like really hard there because they didn't have as good of access to books as we hear, do here in the U S I don't know if the, how the Caribbean is doing um really with uh the the poverty uh but i'm i know that she she mentioned to me specifically that it was challenging in order to gain an education she told me that she retook classes uh like three times because the teachers weren't as quality like and just things involving that what would you say with uh did, did your parents have anything to say to you about like what it was like or you know in that regard uh, it wasn't really education. It was more money at the beginning before they were registered nurses. It's just getting to that point of learning and just because they could get to class. It was just food was the big issue there because they didn't have much wow. to get food. They could get classes and books. Okay. For the most part, but it was food was really the challenge for them. Wow. That's, that's, that's honestly incredible how they, because if I remember, right, my mom had to walk around 10 miles, give or take, to just get to class, which she did every day. Never skip that. Wow. Would you say that that kind of like, would you say like kind of looking inside out that that kind of motivated her uh, to like do well in school? Because, I mean, if I were walking 10 miles to go take a test, I would want to make sure that I know everything yes, involved in my class. She wanted to just get all the education she could, so she could get out of there and just get a better life. Yeah, I think I think that's really like a, a, a really interesting like phenomena that happens commonly. Like, I feel like we get a lot of foreigners here, like in the US, obviously. Um, and I feel like, you know, sometimes like I, I run into those stereotypical people that that will state because I'm for the listeners, I come from a county school, um, and I and I uh, ended up uh, being being raised in a in a more ethnically diverse uh, kind of uh, school prior to that, 
But then as soon as I transitioned um, into like uh, the classic county schools, you know, farmers and farmers daughters and, you know, farmers boys, you know, cowboys and like all these other, uh, you know, the classics when it comes to being in like a, a more rural setting, um, that is, um, I would hear these ridiculous like assumptions that like, oh, wow, like, for example, there's a county school locally. Um, she's going to uh, the U of I, I won't disclose her name, but she's going to the U of I. Um, and she is actually going to uh, become a doctor. And at Oakwood, she would always get A's on all of her papers. She came over from, I think, somewhere in South America. Um, I'm not sure what country specifically, but I remember that everyone, every one of my Oakwood friends, I just disclosed it, but um, every everyone where from that other school would always assume that, oh, she's Indian. She's really smart. When in actuality, I feel like it's just that they were so motivated because they came from someplace that wasn't a good area, like um, that was very impoverished. And, the, you know, that education was something that they really sat in to really kind of use that as a momentum to fuel their education. Yep. That's pretty much my parents right there in a nutshell. Yeah. So that's like really cool that both of your parents are, uh, uh, were registered nurses in the Philippines. Um, and I think that, um, it's very, I don't know. I think that that's really admirable in a sense. And I feel like you definitely would like look up to your parents for that. Like, I feel like, do you get some of your hard work mentality from your parents? Would you say? Uh, my mom, especially this, my mom, especially for the, just the keep moving forward, no matter what the hell is in your way. Right. That's very beautiful. Um, I think that that's, that's something that I feel. And, you know, psychology really says that, you know, from like a psychological perspective, it seems though as though um, some research is showing that you know, mother, the mother and the son are like a bond that can never be broken. You know, the first, you know, kiss on a baby's forehead releases oxytocin. The first oxytocin that um, a baby will ever a, a baby will ever receive, and I think that's really what solidifies you know their relationship. That, and I feel like that kind of may contribute but anyway i'm getting off on a tangent um so more about you so we know that your parents uh seem to be very motivated and smart um you are going into mechanical engineering you're going to you're starting uh, you correct you uh made it through your first year of college correct my first year of full college yes but i also took college express Oh, okay. So really kind of getting a head start on your, technically, on your this, this is technically my third year, technically. How close are you to getting uh, your um, associates? I don't know. <laughs> For all of you that know, we go, we both went to the same college and let me just say, with no, with no, with no warning, I'm gonna say that the counselors are not very good. 
uh, jokes on you. My teacher is my counselor, so he knows what he's doing. Well, that certainly doesn't fit the rest of the students that I've <laughs> that I've taught. Yeah, because the, the thing is, I have a special counselor known as a teacher in the mechanical engineering technology side, so he knows what I need to get. That's very beneficial. Yes, I got the specialized one because I I asked. Yeah, he told me like, I need to make my schedule fixed. I said, by the way, I can make your schedule for you. By the way, I said, wait, what? You can do that? Right. That I didn't know that that was like. A, yeah, certain a teachers have authority to make your schedule. You don't have to go to a counselor. That's that's very that that would give you a head start automatically. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing with the apprenticeship that I took is I learned that little fact right there. I said. Oh, that's gonna make getting these getting these certain specific classes easy now, because the teacher knows what to do because he, this is the degree he pursued. So I said, like, "Well, just follow his steps." For those of you that don't know, um, Lorenz, describe your uh, apprenticeship in detail. Okay, long story short, the apprenticeship was from a company named ThyssenKrupp. That they make either crankshafts or camshafts, depending on which which side of the company you got, and then you pretty much learn the, the entire ins and outs from from raw stock to making the entirety of the crankshaft through the entire plants, and then also learning the HR side of everything, and pretty much doing that for over two years. That was the apprenticeship in a nutshell. Wow! So human resources. So not only are you on the so floor, let me get this straight, but also. Yeah in HR learning what they have to do after it's made. Wow. So like, does that involve a great deal of uh, planning with like, well, obviously with human resources, um, you're obviously going to be doing a lot of planning oriented around people. But I think that it's, it's impressive that um, you can not only, you know, do, do um, that like with like mechanical, um, engineering and such, I think that it's also impressive that you can learn how to interact with humans, you know, because a lot of, I don't know if you know this, Lorenz, but I've read lots of college textbooks for, for psychology. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm a psych major. So we got two different, two different sides of the spectrum here. To yeah. Say the least. Yeah. But say mechanical slash manufacturing, engineering and psychology. This is very different. Yeah. It's very, very um, and it brings a very diverse uh, set of questions. So I was going to say that um, many people who find themselves drawn to math frequently have also been shown to show a slight side of introversion towards, you know, like human interaction. Because, you uh, know, if you can interact with numbers, why, like, uh, uh, you can interact uh, with numbers. That easier. is describing me when I was roughly in the early years of middle school. I mean, high school. Yeah, early years of high school and middle school, all right. Wow. I was so, not very talkative in the slightest. That's that's very interesting, and I feel like that kind of say, kind of uh, gears, primes you almost in a way to like be more interested in um, these sort of <laughs> math-oriented matters and, and knowing what goes where and this nut goes here and the bolt. You know, it's just I don't know what I'm talking about for the listeners, but um, I I will say that that's very impressive that you can learn like the the human resources aspect of that. What was that like going in on the first day? You you knew nothing, and they pretty much told you 
oh yeah, good luck learning all this. They pretty much they literally gave you really? everything. Oh yeah, this test this is just a a, a pre test uh, that you'll take later in the semester or later in the year to see how much you've learned because it was pretty much a test. They gave you a full packet of everything that you were gonna learn and said, good luck. Let's see what you know before you even go into this. Wow. That is they, that's they pretty very... much gave you the final on the first day just to see what would happen. How did you feel while taking that final? It's kind of like a pop quiz, only like you that there was nothing discussed. <laughs> like I yep. guess it's kind of like an assessment to see like where you are and stuff. How pretty did much. you do on your first one? Did ever I like, pretty much other? knew nothing on it because I had no idea what the hell a crankshaft even was, other than it was in a car or most vehicles. So you had to learn quick, and it was through visual instruction, correct? Uh, visual instructions and just a lot of talking to other operators. And then our teacher also just, our, our teacher slash boss just showing us the ropes. See, for me, I mean, I'm a very visual orient, oriented learner. Same Would you here. say that you fit into the, oh, you do fit into that criteria? Yes, because I, I just hate reading. I hate reading just blocks of text because I said I get, I'm getting nothing from this. Right. But I would say that that's very impressive that you can do that because not very for all the listeners out here. I promise I'll stop saying that. But this is one of my first podcasts. So, well, for this one. And I will say that it's like for me, like because I have attention hyperactivity um, uh, disorder, um, ADHD. Um, oh, and- thank you for explaining what ADHD actually meant because I didn't uh-huh. know that. Right. So um, I don't have the HD, but so it's described in ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and then it splits off into or you have ADD, um, which is attention deficit disorder. I fed I my parents took me to the U of I. Um, again, this isn't about me. We're going to get back to you, Lorenz. Yeah, but I probably, just, uh, something that I need to learn myself because I didn't know any of this. Right. So um, attention deficit disorder is just basically the, the same thing, only without the hyperactivity component. This has been widely distributed in research. And you can get ADHD from a myriad of things. Um, you can get there's such a thing um, as a, a hard, hard school, soft brain ADHD. And you see this in uh, football players. Um, when they bash their frontal cortexes together um, and then one day they wake up or after that game they get like a concussion and then now don't be afraid for listeners that are football players because this is not this is not very typical in the case but you are you know that is the risk at the end of the day Um, so it can damage your brain especially the frontal lobe and the frontal lobe is what controls working memory spatial memory um uh, problem-solving thinking uh, and reasoning skills. So with me, and it's also uh, good for working memory. So with me, that is not, and that is one of the uh, like six or so that <laughs> that is um, <laughs> that has caused ADHD. I think mine was mostly genetically predisposed from uh, my my mom's sister because she definitely fits under that criteria. Um, and, uh, so for me, you know, and for you, Lorenz, you know, someone showing you something and then you having to plant that in your brain and saying, okay, this is what I do when I see this. 
and having to remember that over time and then and then months go by and then you come into that same problem when you just learned that for the first time like a month ago. That's like a great deal of working memory and long-term memory interlocked. And working memory turns into long-term memory over time gradually as long as that muscle is practiced like your brain's like a muscle. And I think that, I, I would say that um, it's impressive that you can do that from a working memory perspective because in order to have, you know, that, so to speak, you're going to have to learn it for the first time. And then after you learn it for the first, but if you can't get it to the learning of the first time without coming some kind with some kind of quirky, like different way to remember it, you know, whereas me, I, I, I would say that I, I, sometimes I find myself like just repetitively doing the same thing in order to like get that repetition in so that I could train that muscle, that part of my brain. But with you, would you say that, you know, your working memory is, is pretty good? Like if someone shows you something like something pretty complicated um, mechanically and for the first time, would you say that you can kind of pick it back up after time, as time goes back? That's pretty much a market in a nutshell is making something complicated, but simple enough that anyone can build it. Yeah, so uh, that that is actually what I was going to talk about next. You must have like an, a a keen ability to, you know, simplify these tasks and like really do do you feel like sometimes when you close your eyes you can kind of visualize what to do? Uh, I was actually going to say uh my 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 CAD teacher, you know what AutoCAD is, just a 3D making software. Uh I do not. Please inform the listeners. Uh, long story short, AutoCAD, Inventor, uh, some other random third part. It's long, long story short. You can just make 3D models in an open space. Just make with lines is more or less the basics. And th the thing you have to remember with making a 3D object, you have to have spatial awareness on what a 3D object looks like on every single side rather than just a 2D object with just one side. Right. It You're definitely dealing with like a three-dimensional figure. And yeah, for those that don't know what model kits may be, could you describe that to them? Uh, okay, a simple way to put it is, think of it like an action figure that you have to build for yourself. That's the best way I can describe it. Right, so you're kind of like a factory and you're building it yourself. You know what I mean? Yep. Gotcha. Very interesting, very interesting. And um, so, like, what was the first thing? Was there, like, a first thing that really, like, hit you? Like with like, because uh, for those of you that don't know, we, we talked previously on Discord about this, um, but like, was there a first thing that really like, you know, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I enjoy. This is where I find all of my pleasure. This is what I want to do. Um, yes. Like, and I brought uh, Lincoln Logs to the, to the table. I brought uh, Legos to the table. Um, what what was it for you that really kind of just said to, like in what, what age if you could like um, accurately like kind of determine that for the for the listeners? Uh, it was roughly around probably late middle school, early high school when uh, that that itch of just Legos were complicated, but they, they were just missing that factor of a bit more complicated and a bit more dangerous to build. They just, it was just lacking the, the flair and the fun that I was really missing. It was just, Legos were just, 
at the time they were filling in that niche of something that I could build with my hands, but in the back of my mind is saying, there has to be something more complicated but fun out there in the world that I can build. That was the burning question in my head for several years. So this kind of started when like you were you were like obviously in adolescence, you're still neurodevelopmentally uh, growing in that aspect. You know, certain parts of the brain are are growing and developing um, at this time. And it 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 almost seemed like, you know, it started with a spark and then it progressed into this, you know, and then you kind of got into this like rabbit hole where you're like you kind of you got to a point where you were too smart for like and like too this was this was just repetitive and 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 boring in a sense because there wasn't enough happening but there there wasn't enough to chew on to just i just i I needed something something to bite into that i just i didn't get anymore with legos they were still fun but they just lacked the the, that 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 the the complex the, the complex factor that i was just missing so much did you have like a specific, um, well, did you have like something that you enjoyed building like the most? Did you like build like buildings with Legos as a child? Did you like, did you like, uh, you know, like the preset builds, like where you buy, like, you know, like, uh, one of my friends, uh, he got accepted at an internship in NASA and he went to Purdue. Um, would you say that with him, he would always be fascinated by like the star Wars Legos. And he actually ended up getting a tattoo of like Darth Vader on his leg, which is, I'm sure he wears pants at NASA (laughs) because like, you know, like you don't want to like, you know, like people who wear forehead tattoos don't usually get jobs unless they're really. Yeah. But remember NASA is also a bunch of nerds who mostly like that kind of stuff. So I feel like that's just more accepted over there. That, that is, that is a, that is a very good, um, that's a very good and accurate statement right there, Lorenz. Uh, so yes, what? If I remember right, I forgot. There's an acronym for C-3PO in the uh, public uh, space department. I forgot what the acronym for C-3PO stands for, but I just it's just a bunch of nerds over there just having fun. Right, right, right. So um, back to my question: What um, was there? Was there a specific things that you enjoyed building and like collecting uh, as a as a child on early on and? Legos. Legos filled that niche for a long time. Oh, I know. But um, what, like, would you build that, like, you say, like, would you build ships? Would you build, like, rockets? Would you build, like... Uh, Originally, it was just buildings and then ships on occasion. Then Lego Ninjago happened where I built vehicles. Wow, that is very interesting. And And then then later, it was Hero Factory, which was just posable figures made of Legos. And that would kind of bring you into, you know, the model kit oriented things. Pretty much. It's just, it was just, okay, what do I do now? Because I said, I'm getting, I'm still getting bored of these now. Because they're just, they don't, they don't have the fun. They don't have that flair. That I right, right, right. So moving on, um, like, so we, we've covered um, that you, that you've received an internship. Would you, would, do you feel comfortable, uh, you know, disclosing your age? Oh, here, that's not a problem. 19. Right. So that's, uh, you know, getting an internship at 19. Oh, no, uh, that's before 19. Oh, at, at, at what age were you? Uh, 18. What? Uh, I think oh. I might have been, yeah, I think I was either just early 17 or just 18. 
time. Because so was- back ten years ago, imagine listeners. At the same age that you're able to, 10 years ago, you're able to legally purchase cigarettes, 10 to 15 years ago, and you just got to that, and you're now getting an internship. To me, that's very impressive. But yeah, all, yeah on, on a side note, yeah, that internship was on a whim just to see, why not? Let's try this out. Let's see what happens. Right. For those of you that don't know, Lorenz is pretty, uh, he's, he's very, uh, humble. <laughs> I would, I would consider you humble because, uh, the first time talking with you and meeting you was through mutual friend groups. Yeah. And I, I recall specifically, you said that, um, you had an internship and I, in my head, I was thinking, what? Like, I don't, I don't know very many people that are our age that are getting uh, internships, even though it's off the whim and it's just something you applied for, you know what I mean? Um, I still think that that would be very impressive. So moving on from your internship, what, what have you gotten, what have you dived into uh, progressively um, now? Uh, in terms of what? Uh, the field of engineering and your interests um and like so what happened after the internship um i've uh at uh our local college here oh okay so first of all when the pandemic happened folks out there yeah we we still had roughly about another month to go before the internship ended but it it was cut short by about a month and a half give or take because the pandemic just hit us right then and there it rose around March. right and um, for someone that was once pretty introverted, um, did COVID uh, affect you mentally? I know that's a very that's a very invasive question. Uh, actually, but... no, not really. <laughs> Classic introvert, you know, like Fun oh, facts. we're going. <laughs> when the pandemic oh, started, <laughs> I was indoors for four months straight, and then <laughs> I decided to go outside one day to see what the world turned into after four months of being indoors. I remember, I remember talking about this specifically when we were uh, in our little friend group and we went to a burger at local burger joint. And I remember you saying that in my mind, you know, me being a psychology major, I'd probably go crazy. Like I have to have that social interaction. But for you, it would just be like more model kits, more studying engineering, more, uh, more uh, aspiring to be like, um, you know, greater and doing these uh finding new hobbies and tasks that you can that you always wanted to try were there any uh, were there any like uh things that you picked up during those 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 four months or did you pursue it was uh, actually more of refining my model making skills because i didn't i didn't fully invest in my hobby until i said you know what i'm really liking this i said it's time to just put the cash down to get proper equipment now and i've been slowly getting that more and more now because earlier we talked that I got the God Hands, which is the best nippers on the market for cutting plastic for model kits. It was one of those things that looked very bougie, and I don't know about it, but you, I saw good reviews on it, and I, I heard most people say, saying that if you really want to take this hobby seriously, it's something. It's a really good investment piece. Right, and can you make uh, money off of uh, creating those model kits? I imagine technically, if, if I learn how to paint, which is another thing we're going to do later. I can because I can sell these or at least enter contests if I really wanted to. 
and and uh like and that would prove that you're working both hemispheres of your brain too and it's good to balance that and find and kind of get that creative energy that to you know really like pursue something like that that's that's beautiful yeah painting that's absolutely... whole, it's a whole nother ballpark that i still have much to learn in because i just don't know how to paint it's a completely different monster to deal with now than model kits themselves and it's it's interesting because um you know from talking to you you don't seem like someone that would have you know like anything that would like it sounds like if you can make it through four months of covid you can really make it through anything. And, you know, for those of, for those of us that do not know, you know, some of the creative, the really creative minds, you know, are obviously engineers, but in a different way. And I feel like kind of accessing that part of your brain could be very beneficial to you. Like some of the uh, greatest artists of our time, uh, like Vince Van Gogh, um, he had a serious, mental health disorder and he used his mental health disorder per, to pursue so with you coming from like you know a pretty healthy healthy mindset i feel like you even could you know contribute to that in a, in a different way in a more and maybe a more positive way not that you know creating paint in order to express your pain isn't you know it's a very positive thing and it's an outlet and i think that it's important that we as human beings find a way to express and relieve ourselves by creating that sort of outlet did um i know that um your parents came from like um you know well as you know the rappers would say rags to riches so to speak <laughs> but like so like what what i'm getting at is um, do you, do you feel like, you know, all those years of, you know, being like, you know, kind of alone and not being able to, you know, relate with others, assuming this, you kind of touched upon it. Um, would you say that that kind of like spawned your creativity with these things? I guess that's, that's, it feels like more like a byproduct of just not having to, because the, the issue that I ran into was. When you don't talk much, when you actually say something and they just don't expect it, they, they just it's out of left field. It's when it's when you it's when the quiet guy it's when the quiet guy speaks for the first time and just has to actually butt in. That's when everything just everyone just says, "Wait, what?" <laughs> right, and you fit under that criteria for yeah, sure. I was right? under that criteria for a while. Right, that's that's very cool. Um, so you're you, you're you're currently. Uh, you're currently working at a local lumber yard um, um, soon. Um, uh, before that, you were you were doing very impressive things at our local college here. Could you describe some of the things that you fixed, some of the things that you've impressed people with that really would be like, wow, he's 19 and he's doing these things? Uh, the, 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 I think the, the biggest highlight of what I've had to fix over there was a 3D printer that hadn't worked for over two years. And then upgrading that 3D printer at the same time as well, because I had to fix it and then do a lot of trial and error to finally get it up and running and then stabilize it from not screwing up. And prior to this, I'm under the assumption that you had no, like, nope. did you, you had no idea. Like, this is I've just. I've never used a 3D printer before that. Nope. That was my first time. <laughs> like, that should give you a hint of what you're good at right there. You know, when you don't even go into it 
and like you've never worked on something like this before, but you just look at it and you just kind of understand, oh, this is the hose that transports ink. The hose is busted. Could you describe, right. you know, some of the uh, things that um, like were wrong with it? You had to take it apart, correct? Yes, I had to get out the extruder part. I had to un unjam it because it had a lot of old filament that was still stuck inside of it. Then I had to get new tubing because I didn't realize that the old tubing inside of it was janky and all sorts of crinkled and just folded in and it was causing the filament to actually jam before it even got to the extruder. And then I then we had another issue where the spool where the all the filament was being held was tangling up. And then it my my teacher was actually explaining to me the fundamentals of fishing wire, and I said Oh, that's why spools are held at a certain angle so that they don't actually bundle up. Uh, I had to make a, a sort of mount to mimic a fishing rod to hold in the reel of the uh, filament so that it wouldn't tangle up naturally over time. So, like, looking at this printer, like, could, like how do you know, like, what these, these, these parts that make the printer work? Because if I were to look at that, I'd be like, what is that? What is that? What is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I would just be like, I would question like what I was looking at. Because I was, I, I, I more or less just uh, looked in my head. I said, okay, so what are the basic components of this 3D printer? So I said, the filament roll, the extruder with the hose that feeds in with the filaments, and then the, the actual fixture itself that moves the extruder around, and then the actual the 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 uh, control the control panel, which is a simple knob that moves everything around, and I pretty much broke everything apart in terms of simple components. And I said, "Okay, what 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 has gone wrong so far, and where where can I go from there?" Like, how do you know what's wrong with what? Looking at that, though, <laughs> like if I were looking at that, I would just be like, "Well." That doesn't look you, you, good. You pretty much fix anything that looks off on it, and you just go from there. And if it's not that, you will go to the next thing. It's pretty much you go to everything that could be wrong and then just fix it the best you can or just clean it out and then just see if it just functions properly. Right. So if, like, part, part B isn't working, look at A that's connected to B. Pretty much is if that part's not the problem, you go to the next part, and then you keep going until there's nothing left. And if A and B are not working, then you just replace the whole thing. Yeah, certain things you could replace, technically, on that thing. But the only thing I really had to replace on it was just a hose, and that was just because it was just old. It was over two years old, so I can see why the hose was like that. Right. And, like, that would, like, that would, you would possess a great deal of confidence, you know, working on, you know, like a college's expensive 3d printer i mean i know that we have one because i also work in a local lumber yard here nearby in illinois because it was and... i think donated donated by at it was a it was some company that donated the 3d printer oh wow okay so it's not like uh if this messes up we got like because you also had another 3d printer correct yeah it was a, it was a legacy model that only worked with a certain software which i had my friend find for me so we could actually use it 
because yeah, I, I summoned the power of a nerd, and I remember, okay, can you find this really old software for me so I can at least convert some files so I can make it work? So yeah, my friend pretty much helped me there in finding the software for it. Yeah, this makes sense. Like, w would you say that you're pretty uh, computer savvy to go along with your uh, mechanical prowess? Not compared to the newer generation right now, which are just overshadow me and everything that they know. Uh, but they're also nerds too, so they have their own strengths right there. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Like they're they're like, okay, look at this, and this is what's going on here, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna manually fix it right now. You know, type thing. I, I feel like they have better computer skills than the manual skill. Where, where with me, I have about slightly better manual than my just computer skills with certain right. things. Because when I look at my microwave, Lorenz, I don't open up my microwave to see what's going on. <laughs> I just buy a new microwave. So I feel like, you know, being would you say that uh, being in this kind of, sort of field, if you will possesses like these great amounts of advantages. I mean, I'm just thinking because I'm, I currently uh, have a beautiful girlfriend that I intend to marry. We've been together for three years. And if I were, and if we were uh, married and living together right now and I, and she said, well, you know, our printer doesn't work. And then I I'd be like, well, it's time to buy a new printer. Whereas you would just go in there, kind of understand the mechanics of it, and then, and then fix it's it. More or less, if I can fix it, I will. But if I can't, then I'll buy something new. Because certain certain things are better off just buying new than buying replacements over time. Because you have to learn when a thing can be fixed and it'll be stable, or if it can be fixed or it'll just break in the next like few days. You have to learn that as well. That's That would be very... That would be uh, that would vary in complexity depending on what it is, of course, right? Yep, and that's the thing you gotta just be careful of. Wow, because I've had moments so, where I wanted to just trash it, but I know I could fix it. And as I told you earlier, a random parent comes at the worst time possible. Lorenz and I both live with our parents and this is an ever-growing struggle that will continue <laughs> to spiral until we move out. But I won't be moving out anytime soon since everything is going to be a deck. I won't be moving out. We'll add Lorenz's moms to the mom to the podcast next time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yes, uh, where were we? Uh, you were describing how some things are better to, uh, to not fix and just to buy new. Because yeah. I break in the next so and so many days or months or years. Yeah. Also, what's the with the reverb? It's happening again. Oh, I, I is it better now? Uh, yeah. Okay, we're good. We're good now. Okay, okay, we're good, listeners. Um, but we were talking about that and bouncing around from. All oh, right. Okay. So yeah. There are certain things that you'd want to buy new and certain things you you could re easily replace without having much hassle and you'd save more money over time. It's just you have to debate on that one if you know the, the problem from the beginning. Do you have to like uh, so like if you can reuse a part, that would certainly be very beneficial to your to you financially, correct? Correct. Because if you can just add this little 
you know, uh, tape or, you know, whatever your method of, of fixing something is that's busted. Um, uh, it's certainly better than buying, you know, like $150 something, so to speak. Yes. So you kind of like balance that out in your head. Have you, have you like, I know, uh, people like, uh, Elon Musk will, will, um, start from the very basics of what we know, the very, the very fund fundamental truths of, of what things are. And, um, actually when he, um, started building rockets, he actually learned, um, from other places. I think he uh, actually traveled to Russia, uh, to talk about, you know, what kind of parts they're using, what kind of material they're using. And he actually, I believe this might be a misquote, but I believe that he actually started from scratch and he was like, okay, these are the elements that I need to launch this rocket into space. Yeah, hydrogen, I, I, I can hydrogen. actually guarantee you that he built everything in-house. He, he doesn't outsource anything. He does it in-house for everything. Right, right, right. So, like, instead of buying this, like, why buy the hose when you can make it yourself, sort of? For cheap. The, the, the big issue with uh, the space program early on for and the, what caused certain accidents was you didn't always get the quality you wanted for certain components. And that was the big issue that he really wanted to just solve there was quality. So when right. everything is done in-house, you know what the quality is rather than outsourcing it and hoping it's what you specified. Right. Especially, um, you know, with like outsourcing or buying from, you know, other countries so to speak and you're 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 risking uh some of these pre-assembled things to break so to speak so by doing it yourself through trial and error you might be able to perfect it in such a way that maybe you don't have to and that's kind of what he did is what you're saying yep and that's what elon did and that's why in the private sector he's the best for the best yeah where, do do you want to do anything like that? Like not in the in the space oriented realm, but just uh, from like, do you want to like when you create something? Do you want it? Would you would you rather just start from creating something from scratch than to buy some pre assembled part? If I could, yes, because you don't always know if it'll fit or not. That's another thing I've learned with uh, building things from from a three D printer. Right, and different things will vary. Right, different things will vary in diameter, <laughs> and then, width, length. And then for things that are too complicated for my skill set currently, I have to use pre-existing models and work around that to build something that's workable. That's what I had to do with building a C-clamp that could go around a controller to hold a tablet. Wow. So have you used any uh, online programs with like... Um... I know when I was uh, in middle school, I always Inventor. This, Inventor. Yeah, I always struggled with this specific uh, program. It might have been Inventor, um, but uh, either so, Inventor or AutoCAD is what they had. That's what most schools have these days. Okay, because I remember like we were trying to do like the diameter of a Pepsi bottle, and like we were trying to create our own. And I was just like I was in school. And clearly, I could tell from an early age that mechanical engineering and engineering in general wasn't going to specifically be for me because I remember just being in class and like, I remember I'm looking left and right and everyone else is like ahead. Meanwhile, I'm behind because, I, you know, obviously this could have been because I was neurodevelopmentally challenged in that way with my ADHD. 
in comparison to those other children that I was surrounded with or um, kids that I was surrounded with in middle school. Um, but I would say that, you know, clear, it was clear at, from an early, from an early standpoint, it became very apparent that I, I would be behind and I would have to come in like before the teacher would get to school and work with him just before, before my first class started and his first class started. And I remember he would always be late. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this done. If he doesn't get here in five minutes, <laughs> like I was just like, there is no way. But I was extremely good in English and excellent in reading. So I was like, I can work with this. And it was like, it was just coming to that realization that I needed from an early, from early on. And I felt, you know, I obviously felt like kind of low blowed in that, in that instantaneously in the moment of being in that class. But in the, in retrospect, I feel like it really helped me learn, like, you know, this isn't the option for me, but, uh, do you believe that, um, people that, um, this isn't in reference to me at all, but just in general, in the grand scope of things and, you know, with our population size, um, in the U S wherever you are, whatever, wherever you listeners are, whether you're from other countries, other cities, different, different places. Do you believe Lorenz that, you know, people that may not be good at something at one time, it can actually click because later on, because I've heard, I've heard that some people in math, um, they don't get it, and then all of a sudden something clicks. Yes, I've had several moments in math where I don't get it, and then just a few moments later, or a couple problems later, I said, "Oh, oh, that, oh, okay, I see everything now." Right? Have you known people personally that weren't always the greatest at it, but then they started getting head randomly? Because I have in high school, I've met a few people like that. Where they didn't have an affinity at first, but then they just slowly kept getting better and better, and then they were just fine. I really, I really believe, you know, because neurocognitively, that we're more capable than what we what we give ourselves. I know that's a very, uh, um, uh, optimistic way of 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 viewing things and kind of a hope wishful thinking, but. for some people and uh, but I really do believe that at the end of the day because if you're training that part of your brain repetitively eventually some of that brain is going to prune and it's going to wrinkle and you're going to have better neural uh, neuron connections eventually in time like for example I want to do uh, some pre-calculus this summer just for fun imagine that pre-calculus at 22 years old for fun what is wrong with me? <laughs> but, you know, it's like what like because most of your well, for ADHD uh, people, um, you know, like I guess technically I would be like 18 uh, as far or like maybe even younger as far as like my uh, my brain. Um, I don't know, but it's literally neurodevelop a neurodevelopmental disorder, meaning, you know, there there it's 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 it's. It's not there yet, you know, and like with most of us, most of our brains are, are, are pretty well developed at around 25 on average. Um, but for people that with neurodevelopmental disorders, it may progress later on into like early 30s. Um, so I would like to get ahead and start doing like pre-calculus because, hey, you know, I could use this one day. I mean, I'm going to I'm aspiring to do become a psychologist 
later on. Um, and I, I really want to, you know, do that. And I feel like with you and your creative, uh, you know, painting, I feel like you can kind of prime that part of your brain and really get used to, you know, making that creative content that maybe that you weren't always, always doing, but I feel like you could, this could progress and you could get there, you know? Yes. But yes, uh, where was I from earlier? All right, I got it. With the, with that whole shtick right there, I gotta say it's just one thing I've I've learned is sometimes you just gotta put yourself out there. Sometimes you just sometimes you don't know what's gonna happen to you, but but you just have to go with it. That's right. literally how I got into the apprenticeship and how I've gotten here so far was just seeing what stuck. I was just throwing a dart, a dart blindfolded forward to see what would happen. Right. Throw a dart in the dark. Hopefully it, you may hit the bullseye. You may not. And I think that's beautiful that you, I mean, obviously, you know, taking that apprenticeship, working at DAC was, you know, it was almost like a risk that I feel like most people wouldn't be able to take because of a lack of confidence, you know? Because also, it, one big factor with taking the apprenticeship, it was it was going to completely screw up my schedule for the next two years because it was going to cut out half of my schedule or a little less than half of my schedule. So you weren't going to be able to take as many classes that you're, you're, want, you're aspiring to do, is what you're saying? or It, it would have just really, uh, it was more of just getting all the requirements to graduate to make sure I got all of those classes in as well as taking the apprenticeship on top of that. Wow. Yeah, see, listeners, that's what I'm talking about. Lorenz? So it was a big risk, but they, they said, if I since you took some of the prerequisites early, you're fine. You'll make it just in time. For sure, for sure. I think that, I mean, that's just, that's a testament to who you are, Lorenz. You know, a risk taker um, and a money maker. <laughs> so it's like... Oh, yeah, and then the whole learning about the whole engineering field where it's a very, uh, right now it's a very desperate market to get anyone that's qualified. Just, just hearing, because oh, also remember being a student worker at uh, the college, uh, overhearing my teachers with their stories of having companies email them asking, do you have anyone graduating anytime soon or like this year that we can just hire right off, the, right after they're done? Oh my God, I know exactly what you're talking about. One of my really good friends, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a pretty big uh, nerd. Um, no negative connotation associated. No, no, no. These, these, are, these are the funders that run the world. These are the funders. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, be careful who you diss in high school type thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they could, and that could really bite you later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of us um, uh, will know that <laughs> soon in our life. But um, it's uh, – what was I going on about? Oh, so uh, one of my friends uh, does coding at our local college, and he, um, right out the gate, he got a job. He got a job offer. He didn't take the job offer right away because the pay wasn't quite what he wanted. But that just goes to show, right out of there, you're guaranteed a job. Like, just, I mean, and I feel like that's math and, like, uh, computer-oriented things in general. 
because like we need people to build these bridges we need people to build these buildings. Say, you need someone to design the bridge and then you gotta have someone to build it in real life and make sure it works you have to have those two kind of people exactly and you must be qualified to do those things and you must have years of practice and that sounds like you've been practicing for a little while here and it's it's kind of like a a stepping stone into into what uh, you're going to be doing in the future and i know um that you're going to be uh doing some big things in the future for sure some whether on the a, manufacturing industry or at least mechanical engineering yeah. industry which is going to be a lot whether on the macro level or on the micro level i know that you'll be you'll be I'll pretty be successful in that. i'll be fine yes you'll be pretty successful in so well uh lorenz uh would you do you have anything to uh finalize this um audio recording uh right now for our podcast listeners what would you uh do you have any uh, um aspiring um you know words of affirmation to tell them if they're uh, struggling or earlier because to be frank with you i had no idea what my future was going to hold for me because you're in high school and they tell you oh yeah remember think about your future in the next four four to five years i said uh-oh what the hell am I going to do in four to five years? I just have, I have a high school diploma. So do I go to college or do I just go find a job somewhere? Do I better my education? Do I not? Do I take some of these opportunities now or later? These are all the questions that are floating in everyone's heads usually early on. And then sometimes there's a random opportunity, a ray of light that's right in front of you, but you're not sure if it's going to help you or not. But sometimes you just got to take those risks because I'm a testament to Sometimes you just kind of have to wing it and just go with the flow and you might end up somewhere different or at least where you wanted to be. And you just didn't know. It. Thank you for beautifying this podcast with the admirable words, Lorenz. Um, it was fantastic uh, doing a podcast with you uh, for the first time. I, I hope to uh, welcome you back soon. Yes, I will be back. That's most. All right. Yeah. Thank you listeners.